1: Get ready to hear the truth about America
2: on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Big primary day in Maryland today, elections happening, and there's something going on in that Maryland primary that's more indicative of the national political environment than just a local race. Believe me, uh, nobody knows Maryland politics better than me and Joe. Joe lived in it for decades. I ran there twice. Uh, But again, there's a bigger story there, and it leads into this. It's going to be kind of the opening part of today's show. I am really tired of being tired of the rhino class. Is that just a, oh, rhinos, rhino, Republicans in name only? There's a more complicated, nuanced argument here about what's going on. Involves a lot of stuff happening in primaries all over the country. We're going to get to that. Don't miss that today. Also, finally, the Biden administration getting called out, called on the carpet, and just humiliated. They have no answer to just basic questions anymore. Got a lot for you today, including a Webster University professor I hadn't heard of before who makes a brilliant point about why the elite class is giving you the double-barreled middle finger, how exactly they do it, and keep their power. Don't miss it. Let's go.
1: It's showtime, Dan.
2: Yes, sir. It is big day in Maryland today. Primary uh, for governor, for the congressional races. There are basically two competitive congressional seats in Maryland. I'm not going to get too deep into the Maryland weeds. This is an international show, but it speaks to a larger argument about what's perceived as the rhino class and this new era of Republicans and what direction we should go in. I'm going to get to more about that later. Also, congratulations to my daughter, Isabel who voted yesterday uh, for the first time down here in Florida, filled out her ballot. So congratulations, Isabel. First time, very proud of you. She was eager to do it. So I'll tell you who I'm supporting there too. But I'm tired of being tired of the rhino class. I've been tired of the rhino class for a long time. Folks, Trump and DeSantis both showed the way. They, they, They carved a path through this forest of political stupidity. And the path is clear to the other side. And yet some Republicans still refuse to take it. Things we have been told for generations in the Republican Party before Donald Trump came along. You guys remember this? Oh, my gosh. Don't focus on immigration. Definitely don't focus on social issues. Stick to tax cuts. As if that was the only thing our party could ever talk about. Listen to me. I love tax cuts, okay? Tax cuts are wonderful. It is not what the conservative movement is strictly about. We are a broad-based movement that supports life, educational choice, healthcare choice, economic freedom and liberty. Tax cuts fall under that rubric, but that's not everything. There was a bunch of so-called geniuses, and I mean, self-proclaimed is probably a more precise way of saying it, political gene- geniuses and sycophantic grifters who told people for decades, I lived through it, I remember running in the cycles when they told us just don't mention anything but immigration. Donald Trump said double-barrel middle finger here family-friendly version, of course. I'm running on that. We don't have borders. We don't have a country. Ron DeSantis doubles down here in Florida in what was a purple state, now turning very red, potentially very, very red in the future. DeSantis takes it, takes on the teachers' unions, takes on the CRT racists. He takes on the identity politics people. He takes on big businesses that have corrupted themselves, you know, kissing the ass of the left. He takes on the education infrastructure. He takes on the the Democrats who wanted tax hikes down here. And what did he do? He winds up building on a coalition that barely got him elected the first time into what looks like is going to be hopefully a route here in November for him in reelection. Folks, it's a big deal. They showed us the way. The rhino class that caved to this and said, listen, if we just kiss the bots of the Washington Post editorial column and the New York Times editorial column, they'll leave us alone. They'll say we're nice people. They will not say that. Do we believe? Listen to me. Do we believe in our ideas or not? If we believe in them, then why aren't some of the rhino class Republicans in name only willing to fight for them? Remember my golden rule. Most Republicans on Capitol Hill are really Democrats. However, no Democrats are really Republicans. Don't ever forget that. Do we believe in our ideas or not? Our ideas mean something. Put meat on the bone. School choice. You deserve a choice. You pay for the schools. You deserve a choice on where you should go. You pay for them. It's not public money. You're the public. Healthcare choice. You should be able to pick your doctor, not the government. What does a government bureaucrat give a crap about your health care for? Isn't this obvious? Economic liberty, not teaching divisive racist principles to kids. These are things we believe in. Why would we not be willing to fight for them? The problem is you've got this growing crop of candidates out there who think the milk toast Larry Hogan approach up in Maryland, the Republican governor of Maryland, who Joe knows well, so do I, That doing absolutely nothing conservative is going to work. That if we just sit there and play play Republican, play Republican. No, 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 no. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I'm not really Republican. If I play Republican on TV and I say all the right things to the left, that they'll leave me alone and accept me as one of them. They will not. The minute you're a threat to them, they'll call you a racist too. Wake up, bro. Do we believe in our ideas or not? And if you don't, then just get out of the party. Here's what I mean. Someone who's really, I got to tell you, getting on my nerves a little bit, is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, man, the former governor of South Carolina, again, self-proclaimed Republican. Just lick your finger and see what the winds are blowing. And Nikki Haley seems to change her mind. Loved Donald Trump when there was a position open for ambassador to the UN. Prominent position, gave her a national profile. And then the minute Donald Trump did something, she just turns on him on a dime. Well, I guess Tucker Carlson picked up on this, too. This is a subject we've been talking about a long time. I don't want you to think this just started last night. So is Tucker. I'm not trying to steal any thunder from him at all. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But a lot of savvy Republicans, Mark Levin included, and actual conservatives out there, have caught on to this for a while this grifter class, that whenever they can latch on to someone to gain something personally but not advocate their ideas, they will. And in the minute they see those people as not useful to their personal cause, forget about the conservative cause, they, jumped, uh, they, they jump ship. Here's Tucker Carlson on a show lesson He's going to play a clip from a speech he gave in Iowa talking about exactly that, how Nikki Haley responded after the George Floyd incident, which was a horrible incident. But you didn't do it. What is it, we have to feel pain because of it? Here, listen to every word of this, check this out.
3: I'll never forget it as long as I live. And then she said, in order for healing to occur, what happens next must be personal and painful for everyone. I thought, really, why is that? And of course, what happened next was personal and painful for everyone. Our our city's burned down and a lot of people died. And I thought, why should what happen between a cop and George Floyd outside a convenience store in Minneapolis be personal and painful to anybody else? What are you even talking about? Oh, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're trying to please the people whose opinions you actually care about at the New York Times. That's just true. Doesn't mean she's a bad person. I don't think she is a bad person. I liked, I've always liked Nikki Haley. She was right here. I tell her to her face. I like you. Don't want you in charge of anything. Because, because the second things get intense... The second the other side really unleashes and starts yelling so loudly that you can't think clearly, I want a leader who can still think clearly.
2: And Trump and DeSantis did that. The other side yelled and screamed racist, fascist, Nazi, the same pool of insults they've hurled over and over. Instead of backing down, they doubled down. We need fighters, not fakers. We need fighters, not fakers. Folks, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, I would deeply and sincerely appreciate it, if you would. It's an important show. It was a show about signaling versus action. The left has become the party of signaling they want to do something while actually doing the opposite. It was an important show. We got a lot of good feedback, and it did very well. But I need all of you to listen to it. Because we have signalers on our side, too. They signal they want to be conservatives while taking every opportunity to do anti-conservative stuff. The Liz Cheney's. And I've got to tell you, I like Nikki Haley, too. Tucker's not wrong. She's never been crude or rude to me. I'll have her on my show. She's welcome on any time. I extend the invite right now. It'll be a fair interview. But my gosh, this constant back and forth over Trump's a bad guy. Trump's a good guy. Trump's a bad guy. When it seemingly leverages your own personal credibility is really getting a little uh, getting a little old. The act. This is not a joke. If you're a faker, not a fighter, then please do us a favor and just exit stage right. Exit stage left. I don't care. This isn't a joke. These people have targeted you. They don't like you. They're using you, Larry Hogan and others, and Nikki Haley. They're using you to divide the conservative movement. Do you not see it? Don't be a useful idiot. Here's an article that was sent to me. By one of our listeners, it was Mitchell, who always sends good stuff. Vice, Christian nationalism drove these people out of their churches. What did I tell you? What was that show we did, guys? Was it two weeks ago? Get so? yourself? Yeah. How Christian nationalism was going to be the next target. Remember that, Joe? We did that show. Yeah. Christian nationalist. You guys are, no one even knows what this is. It's a member of a nation in the United States who's a Christian. No one even knows what this term means. I'll tell you what it means to the left. Christians are increasing, increasingly voking for liberty and voting for liberty and freedom on the conservative side. How do we make them the enemy? Do you not see what's happening? What's that? Oh, right after Roe. Yes, right after Roe v. Wade. All of a sudden, those evil Christians. Yep. You got now, and they've always hated the Jews, the left. So that's nothing new. That that's just standard practice for the left, right? Always. Now the anyone Christians, you're it. Here it is, right here. I told you, you know, two, three weeks ago, this was going to be their next fight after row. Go watch that show, too. The evil Christians. You don't see what's happening? If you believe in our ideas, fight religious freedom for everyone. Christian, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, everyone. If you don't believe in our ideas, then get the, out of the party, man. We don't need you. I'm seeing a lot of this now, especially in these primaries. These 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 half-assers who get in there. Oh, well, I'm a conservative, but it, it depends on <laughs> it depends on the day or the which direction the wind's blowing. The signaling on the left is nothing more than a patina, a fraudulent patina of virtue. The left talks about oh, green energy, helping the poor, equitable outcomes. They don't mean any of that stuff. They don't mean any of it. It's all a signal. It's a signal meant to deceive. It's a costume. Finally, they got called out on it yesterday. I want you to watch this. James Rosen over at Newsmax did a great job. He's in the White House briefing room. And Jared Bernstein, who is an economic advisor to Biden. Another fraud, Bernstein. The guy's an economist. He knows what he's saying's BS. Rosen asked a pretty common sense question. You know, you guys are really weird. Prices of gas go up. You've got nothing to do with it. It's all Putin. It's out of your hands. Right, Joe? That's the thing. And then prices come down, and Biden's like, hey, we did that. I thought you (laughs) just said you had nothing to do with the prices. So Rosen calls him out. I want you to listen to the BS signaling crap answer Bernstein gives. Hey, we're doing everything we can to lower gas prices. Really? What about drilling in Amwar, the North Slope, Gulf leases, SEC climate disclosures, all the thing you're doing to stop production of gas? What does any of that matter? Here, check this out. Aren't
4: you having it both ways, Jared? Because when the gas prices go up, it's got nothing to do with the president. When we see some decline, you want him to get the credit. Uh,
2: look, I think that uh, that, that
4: uh, it, it, there's, there's no both way thinking here at all. I think that uh, there has been uh, a consistent... Uh, Uh, I think, pressure on on this White House to try to do everything it could to ameliorate inflationary pressures. And the
2: president has reacted uh, from the beginning, talking about how this was such an important priority uh, to uh, 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 alleviate these pressures on behalf of the American people. So what did he do? He put his head down and got to work and got us to work to do everything we could to achieve that goal. Can you guys, I'm just everyone, guys, ladies, please, for a second. Can we just do reason and logic for a minute, stop the signaling and the masks and then the fakers versus the uh, versus the, the real conservatives out there? The fakers versus the fighters? If Joe Biden cannot possibly control the prices going up because he doesn't have his hands on any of the mechanisms of the economy, which is a lie, then if he doesn't have his hands on any of those mechanisms, then how is he controlling it on the way down? Any Anyone? Does anyone care to answer that? Uh, uh, am, I, am I phrasing that right, Joe? Is that is this confusing in I, I, any way? Like, I
1: sound like Jared. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah uh, I, 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 no. uh, uh, we all sound like Jared because he doesn't know what to right. say. You, you could not possibly stop prices from going up because your hands aren't in the price cookie jar. But then you stuck your hands in the price cookie jar to bring the prices down. I thought you said you couldn't get in the cookie jar. Now, of course... Everything the Biden administration has done, they've done to increase, not decrease prices. I just mentioned them to you. Dumping leases in the Gulf, preventing drilling in Alaska, North Slope, and Amwar. The SEC and Gary Gensler currently right now pushing for massive climate disclosures across publicly traded companies so they can get sued for climate stuff, meaning none of them will want to invest in oil and gas. Are we are we missing all this? Do you think we're stupid? Here, this is just what is today's, just to be sure. Today I'm the 19th. Okay, the 19th. This is yesterday, the 18th. Just checking my math. This is yesterday. Biden to declare, could declare a climate emergency as soon as this week, sources say. They told the Washington Post, climate emergency. Do you really believe the climate emergency is produce more oil and gas? Come on, man. Come on, guy, as Coach Stan used to say. Come on. They're not doing any of this. Everything they're doing is to make gas prices higher. So here's the truth. Stop the signaling and the rhino crap and the Democrat fighter versus faker stuff. Stop being a fake. The truth is Biden does. I wish they didn't. But the executive office of the president does have power over the economy. They shouldn't in a constitutional republic, but they do. And he has abused that power to make sure gas prices go up, not down. Here's John Kerry, John Kerry, husband to Teresa Hines, uh, Kerry, guy who flies around the globe spewing carbon dioxide out of private jets. Here's John Kerry, big phony and fraud, telling you basically to go pound sand, doubling down now on a transition to a green economy. And as you listen to this, I want to ask again a simple question to the fakers in the GOP out there and the signalers on the left. Transition to what? The technology isn't there. Do you understand? We only have the battery capacity around the entire globe right now to power the globe for 11 seconds. Remember that article we read a few weeks ago from the Wall Street Journal? I should have pulled it up for today. I didn't even think of it. We have the battery power. If you can find that, it be up on the screen now. Justin's going to put it in. We have battery power. To power the globe for 11, what, hours, days, months, seconds. Seconds. Hold on. Let's do the test. Here we go. Guys, I'm going to put my alarm clock. Okay, stopwatch. Here we go, guys. Let's do this. Here's how long John Kerry can power the globe for if we make the transition.
1: All right. It's running. Looking good.
2: Still going. Looking good. Looking good. Everything's great. Everything's great. It's uh, not... uh, (laughs) Eleven, it's over. No! There it is. No more power. It's <laughs> over. Lap one. Here yeah, we do a lap. Maybe we'll get another lap at it. No, no, sorry, we won't. Yeah, sorry about that. No good. That's that's not <laughs> a blackout, Justin. We had eleven seconds. Come on, eleven seconds. I mean, you know what? You could squeeze like a quarter of a Netflix trailer in there. Ah, almost got <laughs> eleven seconds. That's what you got. You got eleven seconds. Transition to what? What are we transitioning to? 11 seconds of power? The technology isn't there. This is what signaling looks like versus reality, the real world we live in. Here, listen to John Kerry. The challenge for all of us now is that no one country can solve this problem by itself. We all have to be able to reduce the emissions. We have to
1: accelerate the transition. We're behind. We're not yet fulfilling the promises that we made in Glasgow. So we have our work cut out for us.
2: You're darn right you got your work cut out because there's nothing there. You understand your choice right now is between freezing to death and starving to death or using oil and gas. Do you understand that? Do you get that? And by the way, hat tip Armacost, he sent this article over this morning because we've been talking about solar panel technology. Folks, I got no problem with solar panel technology. I'm planning on using them in uh, in my home. But the hard reality is the technology and the recycling technology for the toxic chemicals hasn't caught up yet. I'm hoping at the end of the 25-year-plus cycle of mine, it does. Here, CFAC, the solar panel toxic waste problem. Joe's like, dude, read this. Solar panels generate 300 times more toxic waste per unit of energy than nuclear power plants. They also contain lead, cadmium, and other toxic, even carcinogenic, it means cancer-causing limbs, chemicals that can't be removed without breaking apart the entire panel. Worse, rainwater can wash many of these toxics out of the fragments of solar modules over time. Maybe we should have thought that through. John Cleary, huh? So, so okay. he's sitting around flying his private jets. You think he cares about this? He, John Kerry's thought on this is he, he's he's taking the jo- a John Maynard Keynes approach. Joe Kerry, that's why he's not worried about the pollution. In the long run, we're all dead. That was the John Maynard case. They asked him if he was worried about the economy in the long run. Like, yeah, in the long run, we're all dead. That's the John Kerry approach. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. It's HenryUSA.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's HenryUSA.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system.
2: Folks, the rebellion around the world is growing against the signaling of the left. Green energy? We're all starving, you dipwad. You got farmers in the Netherlands, truckers in Canada we got the Trump crowd in the United States, the Brexit crowd in the UK, the rebellion against the elitist bow tie wearing foie gras eating leftist elitist snobs is growing. But the question is, if a tree falls in the woods, as the old adage goes, and nobody hears it, did it make a sound? What does that mean? I want you to listen to this, guys. Is Ralph uh, Schollheimer, forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong, he's on Sky News. Talking about how the elites and the media are doing their best to stop you from seeing the rebellion against the elites happening around the world right now. I'll tell you why it's happening in a second. Listen to every second of
4: this. It depends, right? It depends also a little bit, if you allow me to say this on, on individuals and people like you. I mean, what I found most surprising is, and you mentioned this also before, there is a deafening media silence on, on these protests, right? Maybe I wouldn't call them yet uprisings, but they're significant protests. We're talking about, you know, 30,000 people in the Netherlands. You know, not, you know, there are people who say, no, it's not 30,000, it's 25,000. Well, <laughs> that's still pretty significant. So, so, and this was also the pushback I got. It was a, like, well, Ralph, you inflated the numbers, you know, it's 29,000 and not 30,000 yes. but you see something else happening and that's part of the story I mean if you observe it in the united states in europe right, all of a sudden there's all this worry again particularly in the in the political and media class about disinformation right to say oh we need mm. to control disinformation we have to be careful about the information that gets out there and this i think is part of this that that the best way to to prevent the pushback from from large numbers of people is if they don't know that anything is going on. So if you have people say, "Wait, we want to organize, we want to push back against it," and you have this, think about the situation about the trackers in Canada, right? When they pulled their their bank accounts, when they they mm. made sure that you know when GoFundMe pulled pull their 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 funding efforts. So this is undermining precisely what you're saying, right? The possibility of those people to organize. So this is it's not a conspiracy, right? I mean, it's it's what interest groups? What? What you know? These players do. They see there is something coming. that could be a threat to their power, so they try to do something to undermine it.
2: This is. The, I love that segment. I love it. This professor just nailed it. The media is not covering this. It's not covering it. They're covering it as a January sixth type insurrection, rather than what it really is, which is a people's rebellion against elitism and the signaling that's costing them their lives and their livelihood. Now, why are they doing it that way? Folks, gaslighting, gaslighting. I haven't mentioned it in a while. I know you are maybe tired of hearing it. But gaslighting is the key to driving a political narrative that's false. Gaslighting, what the media and the left do. The components of it are critical. You have to lie about something. Oh, transition to green energy. It's going to be wonderful. It's not there. You have to lie confidently. John Kerry has no problem with confidence. Believe me, just ask him. He's the smartest guy in the room. Just ask him. You have to lie often. You see it every day. We cover this topic of signaling two, three times a week. But the most important part of gaslighting is you have to isolate people from the truth. You have to reframe and hide stories which go against this elitist narrative. And that's what they do. They frame these people's rebellions as insurrections, in an effort to turn the story around and do a -a flipperoo and make you hate these people. Or they just outright make the story go away exactly what they're doing by the way uh correction earlier in the show if you saw that wall street journal piece he pulled it up it's this is a major mistake joe i'm sorry john Kerry is right huh? john Kerry is right the transition yeah I, yes he just corrected it um it's the world doesn't have enough battery capacity for 11 seconds it's not 11 seconds folks oh, yeah, crap. john Kerry's right yeah i know it's embarrassing We did that it's 75 seconds don't worry You've got a minute and 15 seconds of power. So we stand corrected. We stand corrected. You have a minute and 15 seconds. Problem solved, Joe. The 11 came from apparently, what is it? in In 2030, we'll be able to power the world for 11 minutes. 11 minutes. So you'll get a few Netflix trailers in. A minute 15, you may get half a Netflix trailer. We stand corrected. John Kerry nailed it. Let's get that transition on the go. It's what happens when you do things from memory. I reversed the 1175. But don't worry. Problem's all fixed. We've got 75 seconds of power worldwide. Don't worry, folks. Everything's good. All right. Let me move on to my next three. Here's the great news. There's great news to all this, the signaling and the rhino class. Yeah, the great news is you're waking up. Many of you have been awake for a long time, but you're starting to wake up those around you too. I don't mean, does that sound like kind of a condescending? I don't mean I'm not talking to you. Obviously, if you're, you're here, you guys have, got, have gotten the message for a long time. But the people around you who are on the fence and a group I think of often are union workers. You know, my brother is a local three electrician in New York. I'll never forget him telling me during the 2016 election with Trump that most of his buddies never voted for a Republican their entire life. And he said, Dan, you'll never believe it. I went to the union hall, whatever it was. All these guys are voting for Trump. There is a mass awakening happening right now. I don't want you to walk around with your head down. I mean, we got to fight and we got to stay in this fight all the time against signaling and wokeism and all of it. But you are winning. The disinformation merchants, their credibility is being shredded. How anyone on the left can paint this kind of stuff as a win. Their efforts at gaslighting are not working. I do numbers, I do data, I do facts, I back everything up. Here, Washington Examiner, Paul Bedard. I can read all this in my newsletter today, bongino.com slash newsletter. We'd appreciate it if you subscribe. Helps me communicate with you directly. Are we winning? Numbers say so. Confidence in the media at an all-time low. 11% for TV news. 11%. One out of 10 people trust what they hear on CNN or MSNBC, these other left-wing outlets. 11%. You're winning. You're seeking your sources of truth from fact merchants, not disinformation merchants. Here, number two, poll number two. Numbers matter. Zogby: the base abandons Biden. Terrible numbers. Again, Paul Bedard. Folks, Opinions are like mm, holes, right? Everybody's got one. Numbers matter. I do numbers. We're winning. We're winning this fight. All right, I've got a big announcement coming up next. I'm very excited about Uh Let me get to my next sponsor. I got that. Some coverage of what's going on in Maryland, why it matters nationwide. It ties into what I opened up with. And a, just a very puzzling economic mystery emerging right now that I think I, und- I, I think I get and a lot of conservatives get, but liberals don't. Okay. I got a big announcement. Duh. You know I've been committed to building out a parallel economy because it's necessary. I refuse to be subjecting myself to the whims of the left anymore. After what happened with what they did with Parler, I said never, ever again am I going to let this happen. So I committed to using my own money and my own time to start to build out a parallel infrastructure. There are other companies doing different things out there, and I love what they're doing. Daily Wire is doing a lot of entertainment, which is amazing. I've had them on my show. We promote it. Um, I like the tech infrastructure side. So one of my big investments has been in Paralleleconomy.com. It is a payment alternative to Stripe and other leftist companies out there. If you accept payments on your your website, you're probably using one of those companies. They can and may cancel you. They've attacked, uh, these companies have attacked conservatives in the past, including President Trump. The company has grown by leaps and bounds. It has been an incredible success. Paralleleconomy.com, and we are proud and honored to welcome Tim Poole and his team on board. Here's Andy Lederman, their CTO. He put out this morning, along with uh, Tim as well. It's official. Timcast.com no longer supports pro-censorship PayPal for new memberships. We're proudly rolling out support for censorship-resistant membership payments through Parallel Economy. We are honored, Andy and Tim, to have you on board. His show is amazing. Its uh, popularity is just through the roof. I saw a billboard of Tim's show up in uh, Times Square when I was up there, so, which I thought was a great idea, by the way. Go right into the den. So uh, welcome, Tim Poole and your team. It is an incredible honor to have you on board at ParallelEconomy.com. Folks, insulate yourself today from the left. Harden yourself up. We got cloud at Rumble, got uh, payment processing at paralleleconomy.com Don't let them, don't let the, your pleasure revolve around the permission of others there. No good. Okay. Just quick, the Maryland race. I've been asked to comment on this. You know, I don't get too knee deep in a lot of these primary races because as I've said often and I'll say again, what's my line guys? Why do you care what I think? I, I'm glad you care what I think about the issues because I study them, but the hard realities you have the ability to evaluate candidates too. I'm more than happy to opine on it, but I think, you know, endorsements they're, they're I, I I don't mind doing them. I, I just, I, you can figure it out on your own. You're all smart. I think what, endorsements are kind of, in, in, in some ways they can be condescending. I, again, I tell you, well, this is one for so you should do. I like these people. I'll tell you why, but I'm happy to do it. So the governor's race in Maryland, big primary today, Kelly Schultz, who uh, you know, Joe's probably had some dealings with um, through the radio station up there, uh, and Dan Cox, a state delegate. Cox is the Trump-supported candidate. Kelly Schultz has a support of Larry Hogan. She was a cabinet secretary. Listen, I, I, I like Kelly. I've known Kelly a long time. She's a Western Maryland legislator. She's got some good conservative bona fides. Um, I like Dan as well. Dan definitely uh, punches above his weight for the conservative cause in Maryland. Uh, Dan's a good. Dan's a good candidate. Um, I think both of them stand a pretty decent chance given that the Democrat side is a mess. But my problem is I just don't we don't need another Hogan clone. Larry Hogan in Maryland, as a Republican, in the eight years he's been in office here, close to eight years soon, has done absolutely nothing for the Republican cause. Nothing. Matter of fact, you talk to some conservatives in Maryland, if you're not all Hogan all the time, he's actually gone after some Republicans. He's done nothing. He's he, he, he barely a thing for the conservative cause. So we don't need another Hogan clone. There's another hot race over there in Maryland, Congressional District 6. Why is this interesting to me personally? Anyone? Anyone? Joe, you know? Why would Maryland Congressional District 6 be interesting? Because what has two thumbs and ran in Maryland District 6? This guy... I ran in that seat, almost won, horseshoes and hand grenades, of course, almost doesn't matter, but we lost by one point. No candidate has come within 15 points of winning that since. The district, however, has been recut to be more favorable towards Republicans. So whoever wins this primary on the Republican side has a damn good shot of winning that seat. Matt Faldi, good man, volunteered on my campaign, like him a lot. He was a writer for Free Beacon, young guy, 25, but very energetic. Is running against Neil Parrott, another good man, a established conservative in Maryland, has been fighting the cause for a long time. Um, they're both good candidates. I like Neil a lot. I think Neil's got kind of a leg up. It's kind of a youth versus experience side. I voted yesterday in Florida. If you live in Martin County, I am supporting Stacey Hetherington from Martin County Commission. John Snyder, a fantastic delegate down here. Doug Mustapic in his fight to get on the commission versus the dreadful Sarah Hurd. Uh, Jennifer Russell for school board and Amy Pritchett. That's who I'm supporting. And uh, if you live in Martin County, um, I think they're great candidates. Do your own homework, as I said, but I think they're terrific. And um, they're definitely, in my opinion, the uh, the best candidates. But again, you do your own homework on that. Okay, moving on. That's what's going on today. My daughter again voted for the first time. Very proud of that. Folks, the elites, the foie gras class, the bow ties, the cocktail party, lunch crowd, can't stand you. The double-barreled family friendly, that's kind of their slogan. They should put that on campaign signs just like this. You know, smiling and stuff like that. That's their campaign slogan. They really can't stand you. No, I mean it. They really can't stand you. So when I read stories like this, I saw this the other day. I had no time to get to it in yesterday's show. I thought to myself, if there was a better example of kicking you in the in the nads, this is, there's, I haven't yet found, the charter school battle. So charter schools, which primarily benefit middle and lower income folks who can't afford to send their kids to private school, right? Can we just stop their logic reason? I know liberals, you're foaming right now, wetting the diapers and all. Stop for a second. Stop wetting yourself. Stop foaming. It's disgusting. Clean yourself up. Clean it up. The white stuff, it's gross, okay? And just listen to me. If you're rich, what do rich people do at schools? They send their kid to the best school. A lot of times, the best schools are private schools because the free market works. They don't care about the cost. It's not an option for middle and lower income folks who are not only paying taxes for the public schools, but then also have to pay sometimes prohibitively high tuition for private schools, which they can't afford. Charter schools have emerged as an option. They are public schools. They're just not subjected to teachers union rules, which will destroy them because teachers unions, sadly, not teachers, teachers unions really hate the kids really hate the kids. I mean, you are public enemy number one to the teacher's union, right? So the charter schools have emerged as a great option, not for the Biden administration. They want to make sure they stick it to you, man, as hard as possible. So this Wall Street Journal article, uh, charter schools win a Washington battle. The Biden administration wanted to alter rules for federal funding for charter schools to make it basically impossible to open. It layered upon them all kinds of restrictive rules. The sole purpose was to stop them because parents, Democrats and Republicans, minorities, uh, everyone got together and there was a massive outcry. They eased up on the rules a little bit. Now, note this, Democrats on the Appropriations Committee in the House are seeking to codify elements of the department's rules in their new 2023 budget, which a committee approved June 30th on a party line vote. Committee Democrats also seek to subject charter schools to an extreme level of oversight of their COVID relief dollars scrutiny the legislation would the legislation would spare traditional schools listen to me they hate you okay do you understand everything they do is viewed through the lens of how does this increase or decrease our power charter schools do what why do they hate charter schools and kids trying to get an education so much it's not because they're born hating them. It's because the teachers unions donate the majority of their money, overwhelming amounts of money to Democrats, which helps Democrats stay in power. So when the teachers union says something, they get down on their knees, the Democrats, and they kiss the ass of the teachers union. Kids be damned. That's it. It is no. Don't overthink this. It is no more complicated than that. It gets in the way of the Democrats power and they are corrupt. They don't care. They don't care if your kid gets a crap education. And another thing, there's also power in the ability to say no, and there's power in the ability to give away people's money. They love giving away people's money. to Democrats. There's power in it. You can buy influence. Influence is a is a pretext for uh, is is, is a, excuse me a precursor to power. The ability to buy influence. They don't care that the giving away of other people's money destroys the economy and the motivation to work. It doesn't matter. Another, uh, we always bring receipts. Another Wall Street Journal piece, the high cost of free money. So there's this Harvard study that came out where they wanted to study this universal basic income type thing where people just get money from the government, which is weird because where does the government get money from? The same people they're giving the money to. So they studied these handouts. Now, liberals will tell you, oh, these handouts, Joe, they free people up. They don't have to think about the little things anymore. And they can go and be their higher selves. Again, signaling, signaling the patina of giving a damn. Well, what actually happened? Well, the study noted that the handouts increased spending for a few weeks, but had no observable positive effect on any individual outcome. Oh, that's weird. We were told the opposite. Bank overdraft fees, late payment fees, and cash advances were as common amongst cash recipients the handouts as in a control group that didn't get the handout. However, handout recipients fared worse on most survey outcomes. Wait, am I reading that right? Fellas, oh. is that a handout? So they got, quote, free money from the government, and yet they fared worse on most survey outcomes? They reported less earned income and liquidity, lower work performance and satisfaction, more financial stress, sleep quality and physical health and higher levels of loneliness and anxiety than the control group that didn't get the handouts. There was no difference between the two cash groups. Some got more cash, some got less. Bottom line is, no matter how much cash you got, you sucked afterwards. That's the bottom line. Doesn't matter. You think the Democrats are going to talk about this? The liberals, oh, we care about you and equity and the poor and the little guy. You don't give a about the little guy. The more you give to the little guy, the more they quote, fare worse on most survey outcomes. Because there's power in giving out money. You can buy votes and influence, influence, the precursor to power. And you know it. You know it. You're destroying these people's lives. You know it. This is why I always tell you there's a difference between misfeasance and malfeasance. Misfeasance is someone falls on the sidewalk in front of you. You don't help them up. Malfi's and someone falls on the sidewalk in front of you and you kick them in the face as they get up. Motive is the difference. One person's lazy. The other person actively wants to hurt this person. That's the Democrats. They are actively hurting you. You think they don't read the Wall Street Journal op-ed column? You think they haven't seen this study? They know they're hurting you. They know they're hurting you and they do it anyway. I want to get to a Milton Friedman video in a minute that explains this beautifully. Please, don't go anywhere. Got that? And then this economic conundrum we find ourselves in here, which is very explainable if you understand basic economics and liberalism. All right. So as we explained before, giving away money to people makes their lives worse. Why? Because people and human beings like to see a, a, uh, a, a behavior with a, a, uh, a, a reinforcement. That's how operating conditioning works. People like to work and be rewarded for it. When you're given money for doing nothing, it does. It depresses you. It destroys your life. The data is all over the place. You can't just give away people money, people's money for doing uh, nothing. Milton Friedman explained this beautifully in this classic clip. Check this out.
1: And when you spend your own money on yourself, you're very careful of what you spend it on And you make sure that you get the most for your dollar. And when you spend your own money on somebody else, you're very careful that you don't spend too much. You try to keep down the amount you spend. But you don't worry very much about what the other fellow is getting from it. You don't pay anything like as much attention to the gifts you buy for other people as to the things you buy for yourself. Or you can spend somebody else's money as when you're spending the government's money. I say the government's money, the taxpayer's money, which the government has control over. Now you're spending somebody else's money. Let's say you're spending your boss's money. You're out to lunch on a expense account, but you're spending it on yourself. You're very careful that you get good, good, good things for your money. You try to have a good lunch and pick the right things, but you're not very much worried about whether you get the cheapest. Spend all you want. Spend all you want, and you'll be careless. Now... What happens when you spend somebody else's money on somebody else? You're a, you're a distributor of welfare funds. Well, you're interested in making your own life as good as you can. You're not going to be anything like as careful in spending somebody else's money on somebody else.
2: Spend other people's money on other people. Neither cost nor quality matter. You ruin their lives. You ruin the economic efficiency of the economy. They don't care, folks. They're destroying the education system in a pursuit of power and the influence and the money of the teachers' unions, and they're destroying the economy because distributing money gives them influence and power. Now let's tie education, power, and the economy all together. Let's tie our education system dysfunction to the economy right here in this piece. So I read this yesterday, and it made sense to me instantly. I'm not uh, This isn't puffery. I'm not patting myself on the back. If you understand basic economics, and you're a conservative and not a nut, this story made sense right away. It was from Axios. The story was about this big economic mystery out there about why. And it makes sense in the beginning that it's a mystery if you don't know what you're talking about. Why is GDP going down, our growth, gross domestic product? In other words, why is the economy not growing as much? Why is it not producing as much? It contracted the last quarter. Libs, I'm going to take this slow, okay? So economy shrinking. Yet what's weird is the unemployment rate continues to go down, meaning more people are entering the workforce. Now, Joe, pretty common sense here, right? How is it we are producing less while working, while more people are working? Hmm. Right? Yeah. Kind of a mystery, right? Well, it would be if you weren't a liberal. If you're a conservative, it makes perfect sense. How does this tie education or education dysfunction to the economy? Let's just work through the Axios piece first. I'll make this quick. They note, hey, by the numbers, U.S. payrolls have expanded this year by an average of uh, 457,000 jobs a month. The total number of hours worked in the private sector has been rising as well, rose at a 2.5% annual rate. Hmm, Interesting. They note that being the case, you'd think economic output would also be rising, right? More people produce more stuff. Fair enough. They note instead GDP fell at a 1.6% annual rate in the first quarter. And it looks likely to show slow growth or further contraction in quarter two. Part two of this gets even better. Axios is confused. Like if we take those numbers at face value, it suggests a collapse in American productivity. The country's now working less to make more. Labor productivity fell at uh, 7.3% annual rate in the first quarter, the worst reading since 1947. They note that this is a big crisis. They just answered their own questions. Then they try to explain it away, which is fair enough. I don't want to get to it. It's actually a pretty fairly written piece. I don't want to pile on them too much. You, you see where I'm going with this? Why would more people working be producing less stuff in the worst collapse we've had in productivity, a measure of the stuff we produce since 1947, not 1974. so when I was born, 1947. Folks, it's because our education system is totally collapsing. We are producing a bunch of workers who don't have any freaking skills. You can have, all, listen, these guys are very talented. Even Justin, who just, Joe's been doing this his whole life. So he's a lot younger, but in Guy's younger life, this is what he's been doing. Justin's brand new. He's been doing this like a year since he's been with us. And even that, not full time. Picked it up like that. Had almost run a show the other day by himself. He had to learn something. He's eager to learn. The education system's not doing that. I can produce 75 podcasts a day. If Guy, Joe, and Justin can't get the show on the air, am I producing anything? The answer is no. I'm not. Productivity is everything. It's not something. It's everything. The ability to generate output, products, and services, from the same or lesser inputs, is everything. It is collapsing. Again, I want to pile on Axios. I don't don't like to do what they do to us. It's actually a, a relatively benign piece. But the answer is obvious. We are producing a bunch of people who don't have the skills to build stuff anymore. Because we've sold out to the teachers' unions insisting that schools become centers for identity politics and CRT rather than an instructional vehicle to teach people how to fit in a value-added workforce. Is this hard? This is what you want? And the answer on the left is yes, this is exactly what they want. They want a generation of social justice warriors Advancing their ideological cause at the expense of the economy and the national security of the United States, which will become a second-class world power in a couple of decades if we don't arrest this immediately. All right, folks. One last, uh, one last segment I want to run. Let's make this quick. Um, this is uh, today in liberal cannibalism. <laughs> you know, they can't stop beating themselves alive. I, 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 is, am, I, am I beating this up too much? Um. I, 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 we already did yesterday's uh, headline of the week, so we'll, we, don't, we won't do any kind of fake stingers for that. But I can't tell you enough that, this, that the ship's going to turn around because liberals will eat themselves alive. They're out of victims on the right. We don't listen to them anymore. I just built parallel economy, did that whole story. We're done with them. So now they're starting to eat their own. Here's our headline of the day. Watch the examiner. Abortion rights advocates steer clear of the term women. Apparently they're having a real problem now because they don't want to upset the trans community by calling abortion a women's rights issue. So now they're like, what do we do? The answer is what they're doing is really starting to piss off women. I told you they would eat themselves alive. Here is even more evidence of how the abortion debate has caused an internal rift. Keep in mind, they're not attacking Republicans. They're attacking themselves. Women, the black community. Why? Large portions of the black community vote Democrat. I wish more voted for Republican. We're getting there, but we're not there yet. The black community, many members, I don't speak for everyone, without not Malcolm Nance, but I knocked on a lot of doors in Prince George's County, one of the wealthiest black counties in the entire country in Maryland when I ran for office. A lot of doors. Extremely conservative people. Joe, can you vouch? That's true. Extremely conservative. Go into a black church in Maryland, you're going to hear very, very conservative stuff. Spent a lot of time there. Kamala Harris having a big problem now trying to figure out how to speak to black audiences who are very religiously conservative about abortion. So notice what she does here. Again, the most offensive thing I've seen in a long time, comparing abortion to slavery. Check this out.
0: We know, NAACP, that our country has a history of claiming ownership over human bodies.
2: Just disgusting, oh, man. disgusting. I mean, absolutely disgusting. Can you imagine if you're a black voter, abort your kid, or you're some kind of slavery supporter? Disgusting. All right, folks, don't miss tomorrow's show. I'm going to have this story. It's going to be, if you want to read it, check out my newsletter today, bongino.com newsletter. It's really important. It's about bacteria and fungal growth in these face masks. It's science. It's science. Well, I'll, maybe I'll get to it on the radio show. I'll definitely get to it tomorrow if you want to get ahead. Uh, thank you for your support. Got the numbers. Guy, Fox numbers. Drum roll, please. <laughs> number one again. Overall, number one in the demo. You all, it, thanks to you. Thank you so much for supporting my show on Fox Unfiltered Saturday nights. You made us number one again. Both categories. Um, much love, folks please subscribe to my podcast if you wouldn't mind if you have the time i'd appreciate it on apple spotify and at rumble rumble.com slash bongino i so deeply appreciate your support i'll see you on the radio show later you
1: just heard dan bongino